0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot
1: believe it!
0: Welcome
2: to The Final Drive. Welcome back from your Christmas vacation if you're on the way home from work. My guy Corey is still on his Christmas vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. So just hang tight with me today. But we got a great show. You're not going to want to miss out on this. A lot of breaking news to cover as well. And all the things that happened over the past, what, five days? But today at 3.30, we're going to talk to my guy, Steven Root. We all love Root. I love chumming it up with him. He's also a Detroit Pistons fan, so we'll have to rag on him a little for that. 4 o'clock, as always, Teague's Take with George Teague. And I'm actually going to be on... The episode of Teague's Take tonight. So right after I'm done with this show, I'm actually going to hop on with him. Corey and I both are uh, on Zoom and we'll be a part of his show. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. At 4.30, Aton Shander. He covers the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're just going to talk all Philadelphia Eagles with him. And then at 5 o'clock, that's when Chavis Furnitures, the draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by DNK Suits so Discounters starts And Jim Nagy, he'll be here in studio with me, and our special guests, our players who have accepted invites who will be joining us, Ricky Pearsall from Florida, and Marshawn Nealon from Western Michigan. So, a lot of good guests. We are packed full on today's show, and before I get into, you know, what happened at the Ventures Bowl, I think we all saw that, let's talk about the breaking news that has happened today. And it is some weird stuff, guys. Jair Alexander, cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. They just played the Panthers. He's being suspended. And this has got to be one of the most interesting suspensions that I've ever seen. The Packers, they win against the Panthers 33-30. Bryce Young has been looking a lot better lately. Uh, by the way. But Jair Ale- Alexander is suspended. Now, why is this guy suspended? Well, it's because at the beginning of the game, he went out into the middle of the field for the coin toss with the captains. He is not a captain. So there were four Packers out there, three Panthers. And the Packers say it was conduct detrimental to the team. Basically what it was, he said that instead of deferring, he said they wanted to play defense, and everyone started looking around and laughing. And they're like, "What are you talking about? You mean defer?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I guess so." It look they interviewed him after the game. He got suspended. He's suspended for the next game. You know, the Packers, the team that has to, you know, all these must win games they have coming up, so that they can make the playoffs. Well, they're without one of their best defensive players. And look, I'm going to play this post-game locker room interview, and it is just some of the funniest, weirdest, wackiest stuff. So look, let me play this real quick, and uh, it's about a minute. Just let me know what you think.
3: So, were you supposed to be a captain? Because the team announces the three-game captains, and you were the fourth, and you called the toss. What happened there?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's only SUITING, You know, I don't think coach knew I was from Charlotte. You know, so.
3: So you just did that on your own?
4: I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like a, you know, the guys backed me up. You know, so they made WAS FROM here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call, though? What'd I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah.
5: Which in theory could they could have said, then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick off, which you would have lost the opportunity. Then yeah. to receive in the second
1: half.
4: Yeah, no, I told them that. Uh, I said uh, I want I want our defense to be out there, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like I want the defense to be out there. They like you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Did he, did he say that to you? He yeah, Cause he Because the, the, the mic was on. I, I, oh, well, it He yeah. heard you. <laughs> oh, really? No, nah, he was just like, defer? I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Everybody was laughing. I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? Like,
3: it's pretty obvious what I'm asking for. So did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline? Why <laughs> would they?
2: All right. After that interview and I know you can't see it because this is a radio show, but he is rocking like the 2010 era Kanye West sunglasses during this interview, hoodie up, and remind you, he's not in the sun, he is in the locker room, and man, this is just some of the wackiest stuff, he didn't tell anyone he was wanting to go out there, he didn't ask to be a captain, dude was just like, hey, I'm from Charlotte, I'm going to walk out here and make this call. That is just crazy. And it's even crazier that I guess that's a suspendable offense. Like, I'm, I'll admit it is stupid, right? That was very stupid on his part. But is it worth suspending him for an entire game? I don't know. Packers coaches said they had a good conversation with him. They're excited about when he can come back, and he's a key member of the team. So that's all well and good. But, man, Jair, Jair. What were you thinking, brother? What were you thinking? Some more breaking news in the NFL. The Russell Wilson era, perhaps, maybe, it's likely, has come to an end in Denver. They have decided they are going to bench him these uh, last two games, and they're going to roll with Jarrett Stidham. And, you know, Russell Wilson has been playing pretty good this year. Um... I mean, 26 touchdowns, 8 picks, 98.0 QBR. So, I mean, far from the worst quarterback in the league. And, I mean, we have seen some bad quarterback play this year, let's be honest. But, you know, the Broncos put a lot of stock into Russell Wilson. They gave him the extension right when they traded for him. But basically what this is coming down to is there is a – like a – He'll get $37 million guaranteed if in March he cannot pass a physical. Hang with me here, guys. I tried to do the research so that I would come off smart and like I knew what I was talking about. Basically, if he fails a physical in March, he would get that guaranteed money. If they don't play him these last two games – there's no chance that that can happen because he will not get injured on the football field. Is that kind of making sense? So if he doesn't get injured, they don't have to pay him money, and they're probably just going to end up cutting him in the offseason. Now, when they cut him, they're still going to have like 80 million-something dollars in just dead money that they can't use to sign other guys. But it's seeming like Sean Payton is ready to maybe try and get his own guy in there uh or something. Robert Griffin III, he had some interesting stuff. He was kind of saying that Sean Payton never really gave Russ the chance. He you know, he ripped into Russ on the sideline this past weekend, and you know, we're all seeing that. But let's just hear uh, what RG3 had to say I feel like he kind of summed up the Sean Payton Russell Wilson duo Pretty
6: well Sean Payton to do everything that he's done to Russell Wilson when he came in the door he was trying to make it seem like he was not the problem when you pay a quarterback like Russell Wilson who has won a Super Bowl and is a Hall of Famer when you treat him the way that Sean Payton has it just feels to me like he doesn't want him to be his quarterback I asked Sean after the game why did he yell at Russell like that and Sean said well whatever I talk with Russell about ain't none of your business Sean Payton as a coach if you don't want people to ask that question then you can't do that to your quarterback on the sideline this is like the second or third iteration of sean payton doing something to russell to me that makes it seem like that's not his guy you can say whatever you want about russell how he runs his family and how he has his own energy and broncos country let's ride whatever that may be the russell wilson that i've grown to know over the past 11 years that's exactly who he is he's a genuine dude who loves football sean payton to do everything that he's done to russell wilson when he came
2: yeah So, the Russell Wilson experience has come to an end, it seems. Maybe he'll be on a better team uh, next year that can, you know, use his abilities uh, better. I don't know. But the Broncos, they have been in a little bit of a downslide, right? So, they just lost to the Patriots. And the Patriots are looking better. Bailey Zappi is looking better. But you still can't lose to the patriots especially when you're fighting for a playoff spot the week before that they get blown out 42 to 17 by the lions the week before that they did beat the chargers 24-7 and then before that losing to the texans but i mean they're still able to make the playoffs but i mean i don't know if the denver front office was like yo we we are not going to pay this guy this money let's go ahead and just cut our losses we know we're not going to be able to sign anyone with this money we might end up having a decent-ish uh, pick. Maybe you're right there in that Jaden Daniels uh, range, but I feel like there's so many teams that are in that range. He's going to end up jumping. Remember um, Anthony Richardson, you know he might go top 10, and that was a jump, and then he ended up going five to the Colts. I feel like we're looking at a very similar situation with Daniels here. But if we just go back and look at that Russell Wilson trade, the Broncos got Russell Wilson. And they also got a 2022 fourth-round pick. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce who this guy ended up being that they drafted. Starts with an E. But what the Seahawks got in return was Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris. And then they got a 2022 first-round pick, second-round pick, fifth-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick and second-round pick. And those ended up being... You know, Derek Hall, Devin Witherspoon, Tyreek Smith, right? So Seahawks obviously are coming out on top because the Denver Broncos don't even want Russell Wilson anymore, and they're going to have to just pay $80 bucks to get rid of him, which is not a good business move, I must say. But it's happening, and you know, also in NFL news, the second most watched Monday night football game in 27 years, people. 27.2 million viewers so a lot of people enjoying the Christmas night action of the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens and I'm gonna be honest I really thought that the San Francisco 49ers were gonna blow them out I mean why wouldn't you think that right they did it to every other really good team that they faced they've looked so much better the Baltimore Ravens are banged up in the running back room they're Main go-to receiver, Mark Andrews, they're tied in, out. So they've gone through a lot of injuries, but they won the game. So now, you know, they won the game, 33-19. They're 12-3 now. San Francisco's 11-4. And it seems like it's all but a guarantee that Lamar Jackson is going to be your MVP this year. Brock Purdy was the favorite, but the game on Christmas... Uh, You know, no touchdowns, four picks. That is not going to win you an MVP award, Brock. I'm sorry. It actually is Brock Purdy's birthday today. So I guess happy birthday, Brock. I hope you're having a fun Purdy party. But you are not going to win the MVP award. I'm sorry. It's okay, though, because San Francisco, they still have a chance. I still think that San Francisco is the second best team in the NFL. You can have a bad game, right? Like, we can't say that. If we're using like college football playoff logic, right, where, you know, Alabama could never jump Texas and then, you know, Georgia can now never jump Alabama because they beat them in the head to head and like, oh, you know, we've we've discussed that uh, a lot. So, but with that same type of logic, you can't say that the Cowboys are better than the Niners. And why would you? They just lost to the Dolphins, but the Niners, you know, killed them. And the Niners killed the Eagles, so I can't say that the Eagles are better. And then when you look at the Chiefs, oh my gosh, what if I told you that the Kansas City Chiefs did not allow the Raiders to score a touchdown on offense on Christmas? You'd be like, wow, that Chiefs defense is awesome. That, how, how many points did Patrick Mahomes get? How, how big did they blow him out? No, actually, the Kansas City Chiefs lost. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs 20 14, and they did not score an offensive touchdown. Their two touchdowns came from a 33 yard pick six and an eight yard fumble recovery. They had two field goals as well. I don't know what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. Travis Kelsey, five catches, 44 yards, nothing special. I. I mean, it's the Raiders, Aiden O'Connell. This is the quarterback stat line that you lost to, and they didn't even have Josh Jacobs. Aiden O'Connell, 9 of 21, 62 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. This is a quarterback that just won a head-to-head game against Patrick Mahomes on a primetime Christmas Day game. It's primetime because it's the only you know game in that time slot on Christmas. They let Zamir White rush for 145 yards against them. Not that it mattered. They didn't get any offensive touchdowns, but they still won. What an interesting few weeks it has been for the Las Vegas Raiders. So you start with losing to the Vikings 3 to 0. Then the next week you beat the Chargers 63 to 21. And then the very next week, you once again do not score any points on offense like you did against the Vikings, but you end up beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Gosh, got to love the NFL. It is crazy stuff. In the app, when you have Walmart money, you can do stupid business moves like cutting Russell Wilson and eating the dead money. Is, now, what's the stu- let me ask you this, listener and app user. What is the m- biggest stupid move? Was it to do the deal at all? to get Russell Wilson out there? Was it immediately giving him a big extension right when you got him? Or is it what you're saying, just cutting your losses, even though Russell Wilson's having a pretty good year, and just being like, ah, you know, let's just take the money. We just want to mix it up, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it seems like a a plethora of stupid moves on the Denver Broncos' part. Uh, One guy was talking about Bryce Young, And, you know, how I said that he's improved. He said they made some adjustments to the offensive line. And since that, Bryce Young has played really well. Um, And, yeah, that offensive line was horrible. I actually think, and maybe it's different now from this past game, but at one point, two of the Carolina Panthers' starting linemen were ranked the worst linemen in the NFL. Another guy in the app says the Kansas City Chiefs are suffering from the curse of the Swifties. They made Taylor cuss during one of the games, and ever since then, they've looked average. Is Taylor Sw- is Taylor Swift killing the Chiefs? Is Travis Kelsey's energy and, you know, mind in other places? I saw a thing that said Taylor Swift has used, like, more... I'll have to look during the break. But, like, more CO2 emissions because of how often her and Travis Kelsey fly in private jets to visit each other than, like, 34 people do in their whole lifetime. And that's only during, you know, this little bit of their relationship that's gone on for what, two, three months? That's pretty crazy. Thanks for that, Taylor. Jeez. When my daughter gets older and there's no ozone layer I'll make sure that she thanks you. When we come back, let's talk about that South Alabama Ventures Bowl. Yeah? First bowl game win in school history. But that's not the biggest takeaway from that game. There's a little extracurricular activity following the game during the playing of the alma mater let me know what you guys thought about that we'll talk about it when we come back here on the final drive on wnsp 105.5 we'll be right back
0: this is jason Caffey. thank you for listening to wnsp 105.5 fm
2: Welcome back to The Final Drive. Hope everyone had a great Christmas weekend with the family, with the friends. If you didn't do anything, I hope you enjoyed doing nothing. But the South Alabama Jaguars, they definitely enjoyed a very dominant win on Saturday against the Eastern Michigan Eagles. They beat them 59-10. to And, you know, it... it they got that last touchdown in the fourth quarter, so it was 59-3 the majority of the game. But the big storyline is the video after the game, during the alma mater, Eastern Michigan's Corey Hernandez ran across the field and sucker punched South Alabama's Jamarian Burt in the back of the head. And there's a lot to break down here. Corey. Mr. Hernandez, what are you thinking? Why are you running and punching a helmeted player surrounded by other helmeted players when you don't have a helmet and you have none of your squad with you, man? You're you're running in there trying to be like Donnie Yen, I guess, and take them all on. I don't know what you were thinking. Maybe you thought they were just going to break it up immediately. I really would love to hear his thought process, but he is not making any more comments. Uh, He says him and his family, they apologize. They apologize publicly, privately, so that's all good, but I mean, the video lasts forever. And I just am really curious what his thought process was during that. In the app, uh, this guy says that the brawl with South Alabama after the game was the most fight Eastern Michigan showed all night. Oof. That hurts. But Corey Hernandez, that was he was a senior, so that was his last, his last moment as a college football player. We'll go down in infamy, at least here in Mobile, Alabama. But hey, shout out to South Alabama winning the bowl game and being the owner of the most viral clip that came out of college football over the holiday weekend. So round of applause to South Alabama and round of applause to everyone who just immediately jumped on that Corey guy (laughs) as soon as he just, I I really just don't know what he was thinking in that moment. Other bowl game type news, Joe Milton has opted out of the Citrus Bowl. He is not going to start at quarterback against Iowa. They will roll with the backup five-star freshman Nico, I am Oliva. Does it not seem that the names get tougher and tougher to pronounce the younger and younger that the athletes are? Or maybe it's just the older and the older that I get. I don't know. Another random bit of news, Nuggets forward Aaron Gordon, great defender. I mean, I think we all watched the NBA finals and saw how elite he is. He suffered lacerations to his face and his hand on Christmas Day, resulting from a dog bite, and he's going to remain away from the team while he recovers from that, so that's tough, but hopefully he's all good, but look everybody, when we come back, we're going to talk to our guy, Steven Root. Detroit Pistons fan, Georgia Bulldogs fan. Right now, with all the Georgia and Florida State opt-outs, I feel like it would be more newsworthy just to announce a player that's playing in the game. I think they've already had like 45 players opt-out of that game. But Stephen Root coming up. Got a lot more fun stuff in store for you. In this show, George Teague, Aton Shander, Senior Bowl shows, Senior Bowl players. It's going to be fun. We have a lot, a lot of stuff to cover. And damn it, I'm going to try. But I appreciate you guys hanging with me. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP. We'll be right back. This is Richie
5: Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. Corey's still on vacation. He is healthy, but he's just on vacation. And as always, I feel like anytime it's just me here, I got to talk to my guy, Steven Root. Root, how's it going, buddy?
7: Once again, Corey better get back. These people are getting sick of me. (laughs) I know it.
2: That is definitely true, but I'm not, so that's all that matters. (laughs) How you doing, man? You had a good Christmas?
7: Oh yeah, all good. Had family in town. Kind of quiet, but it was all good. How about you? Everything good
2: over there? Oh yeah, man. Really good. I got us some tickets to go check out uh, the Falcons playing the Saints uh, on January 7th. I don't know if that game means anything, but I got a ticket for you if you want it.
7: Well, yeah, let's let's go. We'll we'll scout these teams and what they've got for the future because the president ain't so uh, important, is it?
2: No, that uh, that is definitely correct. Well, root, we gotta talk about your Detroit Pistons, man. We were talking about the Pistons on the morning show. I was on here with Mark, and we were talking about how are there even any upset Pistons fans? And I was like, I actually know one. And so, Root, let me ask you. You now have the record for most consecutive losses by an NBA franchise. How does that feel?
7: Well, I'll tell you being a Detroit sports fan, what the Lions are doing overshadows everything. I mean,. You know, it's it's crazy they have got this record now and it's not going to end anytime soon, I don't think. They play the Celtics tonight. And that is the last team in the league I'd like to play to break a losing streak. Um, but honestly, if, if it's Detroit sports, no matter how bad it is elsewhere, what the Lions are doing is, you know, so awesome. It covers up everything else. Um, but I don't know. It could get so much worse. You know, they might set a record that just Be broken, they might get to 30, 40 losses in a row. Could you imagine?
2: I can't imagine it actually because Cade Cunningham (laughs) actually has been playing amazing. Guy had 40 something points, shooting 70%, he scored every bucket down the stretch. And then, Mr. 70 million dollars himself, Monty Williams says, Time out, time out. It's a close game. We might can win this. Cade, thanks for bringing us back, but I'm about to draw up this play for Alec Burks to shoot a contested three, and they ended up losing. I don't understand how Cade Cunningham can be playing so great and just no one else on the team can give him anything to win, or do you think that teams that are playing in Detroit are kind of like, ah, eh, let Cade go off, and we can kind of, like, manage the rest? I, it's just very interesting to me.
7: Um- I don't think, yeah, teams might pick one guy that you're gonna I, I don't think that, though. I think that Kate, I think Cade is breaking out a little bit. And beyond his play, he's remaining so positive and often and in the media trying to, keep his team, keep his guys in it. You know, he's putting out stuff in the media almost every day, it seems like, of him trying to keep everybody locked in. But when you have the help around you that you don't have, players like even an Isaiah Livers, um, it's just just guys that showed something last year and it's gone away for whatever reason. Um, I don't know what you do. You know, Monty Williams, yeah, I was excited when you made the hire, but really my excitement was for them to do anything, was to try to make some kind of move. You are the Pistons. You're going to have to, whether it's getting players in free agency or the coach now, overpay whatever you can to come to Detroit. That's what they have done with free agents in the past. And yeah, you have to generate some excitement when you get Monty Williams, but I'm sorry. There's been so many times where he just does not look like he is in it. He doesn't want to be there, it seems. I don't know what exactly it is, but it's not pretty. Um, But now you're so locked into it, what do you do now with the coach? Talent-wise on the team...
2: I saw some uh, breaking news that said, you know, breaking news, the Pistons are looking to target top free agents. And I'm like, okay, breaking news. I have two eyes and a nose. But there was some leaked footage, Root, that I want to show, uh, play for you and debut to you of uh, Monty Williams uh, at halftime during the Nets trying to coach up his guys to hopefully not, uh, you know, have the record for losses, uh, straight losses in the NBA. But, Root, let me go ahead and play this clip of Monty Williams at halftime for you, okay?
0: Play it so when we're going to go play we just have to work harder we have to shoot better we have to play better get your energy up if he's taking the ball that way but tricking you just go that way and trick him your body has to reflex oh, no. the dogs and then the dogs have to reflex your body
2: <laughs> oh god come on man i saw that on twitter and that cracked me up that is drake's son By the way, um, man, your Pistons, man. I'll say this, though. You know, they got that deal with Wingstop. This has got to be the best investment Wingstop has ever made because it was everyone in Detroit gets free wings every time the Pistons win. And all the memes that have been generated from that, how the city's starving and how they're going to be lined up outside of Wingstop. You know, they're going to have to go back to being thigh stop after everyone gets their wings when the Pistons finally win. I mean, I think great marketing move on their part because if the Pistons were just, like, normal bad, you know, no one would really care. But because it's record-breaking bad, now everyone all of a sudden cares, and they're honestly the biggest
7: story in the NBA right now. Well, and their loss is just the fact that they're stringing together consecutive ones. I mean, it's taking away from the spotlight maybe being on the Spurs and the number one pick and this generational guy, and they've got themselves four wins. But we're not talking about that a lot. We're making fun of the Pistons. You know, the Wizards, the Hornets, there's some bad teams in the NBA and just barely a little bit better than the Pistons. Right. But just so, the Pistons have strung together this many in a row. That's what's funny. That's what we're talking about. Um, you know, this isn't something that's going to get better quickly. It's takes take some time. It's going to either take a long period of being horrible where the Monty Williams thing didn't work out. How you act, acquire more to make this dramatically better? I don't know how you do it immediately. I mean, yeah, you can try to swing for the fences, trade-wise or free agency-wise, and overpay for guys who are mid-level, and that's all you can do. So thank God for the Detroit Lions in Detroit right now. That's that's all anybody cares about.
2: I saw an image online of a guy, and he was like waking up in a hospital bed. Uh, The doctor was like, sir, you've been in a coma since October 27th. Is there anything you want to ask me? And he said, how are my two-in-one Detroit Pistons doing?
7: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Look, Ruth, let
2: me ask you this. You talk about the Lions and how they are the saving grace and, you know, especially now that your Georgia Bulldogs are out the way, you know, all of your stock is on these Detroit Lions, but... I got to tell you, Root, I think that they're borderline fraudulent. And I feel like the word fraudulent is thrown around all the time nowadays. But you guys came damn close to losing that game to Minnesota, to Nick Mullins, who threw for 411 yards and four interceptions, did not run the ball at all. Their leading rusher, 17 rushing yards. They only handed the ball off. Ten times in the entire game, I'm I'm just not buying Detroit, man. I think y'all are gonna get matched up with the Rams in the first round, and I think Matt Stafford. That's gonna be like a home game for him. I'm just I'm I'm not buying it for you. all
7: You're probably right. You're not wrong about any of that, bud. That's probably exactly what's gonna happen. But I, I just am excited. That's what people are. Yeah, they've. Completely blown it against the Bears. They've had some total, they're, you know, some of their losses have been nothing but duds, especially the Bears. I mean, how do you, you can't let that happen when you're supposedly a top five team in the league. Um, but the defense is the problem and the issue, as it has been. You just now have these offensive weapons that are so incredible that it can mask a lot of things. But the Rams are scary. And if that's who it is today, that's not who you want to play. But you're, you're right about that. This Cowboys game will say a lot. But who in moments this year, who isn't a fraud? I mean, the team we thought and we talked about as being head and shoulders above everybody just totally laid an egg. And Brock Purdy is not your MVP and, and you know, had a terrible game. So there has been moments all year, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, that was the game of Pretenders, the Pretenders Bowl of who, which of those teams was for real. You know, Buffalo, they've finally kind of turned it on at points this year, but they've been bad. There's been a letdown game here or there for everybody we thought was great. Yeah. So, Detroit, their offense will keep them in a lot of things, but if they don't show up, they're going to lose.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Detroit, like San Francisco, also, you know, part of the getting steamrolled by the Baltimore Ravens club. Um, And I don't know, I didn't buy into the Ravens as a real contender. Now, I definitely thought they were going to make, like, the AFC championship game. But I just didn't think that they had it in them and maybe even make the Super Bowl. But I just didn't think they had, like, the guys on the roster at the moment. All these running backs are injured. Your main receiver, Mark Andrews, is injured. I just didn't know if, knowing all that, you could still... First off, beat a completely healthy Niners team and then go on to make a legit playoff run. But, hey, the Baltimore Ravens have made me eat my words, and now it's looking like they're just ready to go ahead, and I think they're already engraving Lamar Jackson's name into that MVP award. Are you in agreement with that? You think Lamar is the MVP of the NFL this year?
7: Oh, the MVP is... He's, he's deserving. He's absolutely de- deserving. The the Brock Purdy stuff, I mean, I just can't feel good about that. I mean, yeah, I think that's over with now. But where it was, I mean, the, the amount of help he's got around him. Give it to McCaffrey over Brock Purdy. That's kind of how I felt about that. But now he totally had the, the total stinker of a game. But give it to Lamar. I'm fine with that. You know, with the, with the core of... Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham at this point, it's pretty incredible what he's done this year. And you're right about just not having the amount of help they were supposed to. You know, where's the Mark Andrews? Where's J.K. Dobbins? All the help you're supposed to have throughout the whole year. They've they've often had these injury problems. I mean, it feels like that's a, a common thing with them, especially with the receivers and running backs. It just feels like something that's common. Um, but I'm I'm all for them being a real contender. I mean, who's at this point who are you going to put above them as more of a contender than they are?
2: Yeah. So at this point, are you are you saying the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL
7: today? They are. I mean, what they just showed everybody—27 million people. Yeah, they are today. But again, that's that's the whole point of. There's been so many moments in this year that we think we got to figure it out and then teams lay a complete egg and it's everyone's done it this year, you know. So I'm, but today yeah, it's it's definitely Baltimore, but a couple of weeks from now it might be the Eagles, it might be Miami if they're for real. So I, it's, we have our clear cut few teams that it's going to be. I mean, yeah, they can all them they can all have a bad game here or there, but we know who it's going to be.
2: Another team who has had a good bit of bad games here, there, and everywhere is the Kansas City Chiefs. If I were to tell you, Root, that the Kansas City Chiefs held Aiden O'Connell to 62 passing yards and did not allow the Raiders to score a single point on offense, touchdown at least, you probably would have thought the Kansas City Chiefs blew them out, right? Like 40 to nothing, 40 to three. The Raiders actually ended up winning twenty to fourteen. They scored two defensive touchdowns. The Chiefs, man, what's going on? I keep trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it's Mahomes, Ah, uh, it's Andy Reid. They'll figure it out, right? Well, I've been saying that for like a month and a half now, and now I'm really not so sure. No,
7: they're they're broken for whatever reason it is. They've, they just seem broken, and the receiving core is not good. Leading the league in drops is is really tough for a team. You really have high hopes for. You think they're well coached, all that stuff. But whatever it is, just they're ugly to watch. What the the great one, Mahomes, is is just whatever it is making these guys drop the ball and him being off. And the whole thing is broken. It's just a weird thing in sports where when things are not going right, they just amplify and get worse and worse. I don't know what you do to fix those things. But, yeah, they seem broken. I'm not believing in them at all. Their defense, though, has has won them a lot of games. You still look at how bad they can be on offense, but look at the win Win-loss record. I mean, they've still been able to win a lot of games. That defense has been very special this year. But as bad as that offense is, that's not something that you fix overnight. You're not going to just learn how to catch the ball if you're a, a Chiefs receiver. So I don't believe in them. They, they're well behind these other teams we've been talking about, and that's okay. That's good for the league. That spotlight might not be on them hundred percent like it has been.
2: Yeah. So you're so you're writing writing them off completely. No shot
7: this year. You can't do that. You'd be a fool to do that. <laughs> of course they'll tune it up and fix everything when the playoffs start. Of course that's what's gonna happen. Right? I mean at this point you just can talk yourself into that happening and that not being far fetched at all. It's just because it's them. But, yeah, logic tells you, if you watch with your eyes what they are, and it's it's not great, it's pretty bad sometimes. So, But they've got that special thing that they've got, and you know that the playoffs can start, and they could easily cruise and win it all again.
2: That's right. Well, look, Root, whenever the Pistons win a basketball game, we'll be, for, be sure to get you on. And if the losing streak just keeps continuing, I guess we'll have you on on again i um i don't know I, I hope i can bring you on on better terms maybe the lions will have a big playoff win or something and that'll be fun to discuss because the playoffs are right around the corner but root i appreciate you hopping on with me anytime i ask you to you're a great friend and i hope you had a merry christmas and i hope you have a good end to your old year getting ready for the new one
7: same to you, same to Mobile. I might make the promise to Mobile that I won't come back on until the Pistons win. I'm sure everybody would love we to hear that.
2: N- <laughs> we never hear from you again. That's why I was, like, scared to <laughs> say that. <laughs> but all right, man, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, bud. The one, the only, Stephen Root. Man, them Pistons, man they terrible but you gotta love it you got to love the chaos and you know when especially when there's all-time records being broken in a negative way that's always fun when we come back real short segment and then we're gonna get to George Teague Teague's take And then tonight, you can hear me on his show, which is crazy, right? Who on earth would want me as a guest on their show? Hey, around the holidays, it can be hard to book people. I'm easy to find. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP. We'll be right back.
5: Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. Real short here. Shout out to my guy, Steven Root. Love chatting with him. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Alabama Hall of Famer, former Dallas Cowboys cornerback, George Teague. It's Wednesday, so you know we got to get Teague's take. I wonder how he's feeling about those Cowboys losing to the Dolphins. See, this is a day where you need Corey not to be on vacation. Because, you know, he's a Miami Dolphins guy. But it's all good. And then later on tonight, I'm going to be a guest on George Teague's show. Which is kind of crazy. I don't know how I ended up being the guy at the... Top of the guest list. I don't know how many pages he had to flip through before he finally called my number, but he dialed it and I answered. So I will be accompanying George on his show tonight. But we're gonna hear from him in just a few seconds, minutes, I mean, commercials. And then also here coming up, Aton Shander. He covers the Philadelphia Eagles. A little bit of a downside for them. They did win on Christmas, which is great. But look, when they took DeVito out and they put Tyrod Taylor in, it was kind of scary for the Eagles. Tyrod was looking good. Even though the Eagles won, I just don't know how I am buying them as a legit contender. As we just talked with Steven Root, we're not really buying the Chiefs. We're not really buying the Eagles, but we also aren't going to write them off as, you know, a team that can't make it to the Super Bowl because... They just seem like they have the ability to turn it around if they so choose. But I am getting a little worried because it seems like they're really wanting to turn it around and they have been unable to do so. But coming up next, the one, the only George Teague, Teague's take here on the final drive on WNSP
0: 105.5. The Sound of Mobile presents For the Win! The final drive. No,
1: they didn't. Oh, my gracious. How about
0: that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the Win! Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile
8: app. Oh, oh, unbelievable.
2: Welcome
4: back to The
2: Final Drive. My guy Corey is still on vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. But, as always, it's Wednesday, so we got to get Teague's take from Alabama Hall of Famer, former Dallas Cowboy, George Teague. George, how you doing, man?
9: It is a great day to be out and talking some more football, as always. man. I got a little bit of time to kick my feet up. Before I had to get back to school, that's at JP2. Um, so we're chilling out at the Choctaw Casino in Oklahoma right now.
2: Oh, there you go. That sounds nice. Well, George, look, this actually isn't going to be our last conversation of the day,
9: right? No, it is not. I am I'm super excited about this because typically when I get come on to the final word, you always got something kind of, uh, I want to say, uh, I don't even know the the right adjective to use, but somewhere where you're trying to throw me a, a little monkey wrench. So uh-huh. by you coming on the Teague's take tonight at eight fifteen p.m. Central Time, you can find it on YouTube. Hopefully your listeners will come on in and see this because I need to throw a curveball at you later on oh, tonight. Snap.
2: And I did not <laughs> play baseball growing up, George, so I'm I'm. It's very likely that that'll be a swing and a miss. But I got to ask you, George, I know it's the holidays. A lot of people are on vacation. So how many numbers and people did you reach out to before you reached out to me?
9: <laughs> uh, no, man, you were right up there on the list. But see, oh, I only had the number to the radio station. I was not in your circle of influence. So you never gave me your number okay. to be able to reach out to you. I had
2: to, to get to my representation. You what? You had to go through my representation, my agent, right?
9: I did. I did. And I did. It cost me a lot of money, man, to try to get you on that show tonight.
2: So, Well, dang, I don't no, know who I'm you're looking.
9: paying it to because I'm
2: not seeing it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Corey oh, might have uh, pulled one funny, over like on you. But let me, all right, George, well, let's talk about it. Your Dallas Cowboys, they drop one on Christmas Eve to the Miami Dolphins. We knew that that was a big game. It was actually one of the most viewed games um, in NFL history other than the Monday night football game that was Baltimore versus San Francisco. And I didn't really expect that one to come out that way either. But, George, what were your takeaways from the Dallas Cowboys in that game against Miami?
9: So I think I have, you know, there's good and bad in it for me. The, the good is I was really worried about it when we were talking about could we actually stop the run? you know, we're we're gonna be able to control Mostert and Devon A Chang, um because we obviously we didn't stop the run at all against James Cook and the Buffalo Bills. So I was a little bit worried about it there. So to see us be able to control the run game and make it a good game on the road, you know, with both teams not beating anybody, um, you know, with the running record, um, basically. So, um, it was kinda good to see us play that what bothered me though is that we still couldn't run the ball can't get Pollard going we have no real resemblance we got cd a tailback we're you know trying to get everybody in the ball but if we don't figure out a way to run the ball we're going to have a, a disappointing exit out of the playoffs way too early
2: so what is that is that Tony Pollard is that your offensive line is that the play calling what do you think is the main culprit behind that
9: well, now, basically, after watching this, I think a little bit is of is Tony Pollard because when he's down there on the goal line, why he didn't sprint for the the pylon and make that that touchdown, or you know he couldn't run through the tackle of um, that uh, of guy that tried to tackle him and just forced him down at the one. That was a a big mistake for us, and you could see that there must not be the confidence to see him be able to get that one yard punch in because it gave it to. Uh, Lukey, and, uh, you know, that he fumbled the ball. So um, it has to be, you know, in my mind that it's a little bit of the strength or the drive or want to that Pollard needs to have to get the tough yardage this year.
2: So let me ask you this, George, are you kind of writing off your Cowboys as legit Super Bowl contenders? Because at first you weren't there with me. I, I was on that boat by myself, then I got you to hop on board and now it seems like our boat is starting to go under the water a little bit. <laughs> uh,
9: you know what? I, I think we we still have a a good chance. I haven't rolled them off. I don't think we can win it. I think we the way that San Francisco played and maybe uh Purdy, um, I don't know if that shoulder that he has or stinger that he had if that's going to bother him a little bit or not so we still got a little bit of life the Eagles didn't play very well either um so you know again like I said from McCarthy I think he's got to get to the NFC championship he's got to find a way he's got another big test this week Detroit Lions more running backs coming in um Lamont, St. Brown, Um, the wide receiver out there. I think we should be able to control those guys a little bit, but if we can't handle Jamar Gibbs and David Montgomery, um, it could be problems again, uh, but the best thing is it's it's at home. If we can show what we need to show, it won't sell everything because it's at home. Then you got Washington uh, the next week. So I think if, if going back to that running game, if we don't figure out how to how to run the ball when we need to be able to run the ball consistently. The um, 20 tackles or just off the tackle, um, it could be, you know, me and you might be having a different discussion after they get bounced out of, the, out of the playoffs.
2: Sure. And, look, you know, you talk about playing the Lions. I think that that has to be a must-win game because Dallas has to beat one of these good teams here at this closing stretch of the regular season. And I think that the Detroit Lions are one of the beatable, good teams. I mean, they barely beat the Vikings by six, and that was with Nick Mullins throwing four picks. So do you see this game as a must-win, or are you kind of just ready for the playoffs to finally start and just end this regular season?
9: No, it's still a must-win because, uh, unbelievably, we still got a chance to get a home-field game in the playoffs, the the Giants almost beat the Eagles, and they're going to play them in two weeks. Doesn't mean that they can beat the Eagles in a couple of weeks. But if they beat them and we went out, we're going to secure that fourth spot. Right? I believe that's right. And that will give us a home game and some momentum with that. So this is a playoff game. I think every single one of these games, the, the Detroit game the next week, um, Against the uh, Commanders, they're both um, must-win games in my mind because we've got to secure and try to get some type of playoff game at home uh, in that first round.
2: Let me ask you this, George. On your show tonight, are you planning on us breaking down NFL? Or are we going to be getting ready for the college football playoff game with Alabama-Michigan? What, what are you wanting to do uh, You know, on your show?
9: So, me and JT, this is our first time doing this. We wanted to bring in the heavy hitters. That's why we're bringing you and Corey on oh, tonight. And we're going to talk about the Rose Bowl and what Bama has to do to be able to win this game. So, it'll be all, all of that. So, you be ready to talk to us about what Alabama can do uh, when I give you some different scenarios, I had the opportunity to watch some film. Like I said, this is the first time that we've actually gone into pregame stuff. Most of the time, we're a postgame show. Right. Um, and breaking this down. So this time, we're actually going to talk about pregame stuff. And there's some interesting stuff with Alabama and Michigan. Uh, did you know that um, Michigan likes to play cover three like almost a third of the time? <laughs> you know? Um, and I don't know if you, how much you guys have actually broken down, what that's done to Alabama, how creative they had to be, one, to be able to run against an eight-man box, um, but two, Jalen um, Milrow making the right um, decisions when you got a lot of zone droppers um, out there. So we're going to break that down on film too, uh, but we're going to want to pick um, you know your brain, just on what you've seen over the course of the year, how is has uh, the offense progress? the defense as well? do you think about Jalen Monroe, can he do the unthinkable? Because I went back and I watched this film again. I watched him in the Tennessee game, and the dude is just so different, man. He's so different than what he was then. Um, but you still can see some of the same um, tendencies, I guess, that he may make and can uh, re-help him. Um, to overcome those in a big game like this one.
2: And what do you think that those uh, kind of negative tendencies are that sometimes
9: Milro will lean into a little bit? Uh, what's going to be important in this one, uh, and I'll try my hardest to try to break this down uh, tonight for everyone when we go through it, is how he escapes. Right, You see him escaping a lot, which is a great positive for us, but a lot of times he'll take some unnecessary sacks. Um, they didn't have to take And Michigan is pretty good with their defensive end as far as getting upfield um, And trying to keep people in their pocket. They do a really good job at that. So he's gonna have to be able to step up and throw the ball uh, or take off up through the middle, which most of the time he doesn't do that. He just tries to use his speed to run around the corners, and that could be a difficult one for him, too. So that's a something that you watch on film when you're talking about rush lanes. You know, can you send four at him and keep him bottled up in a pocket? Um, so uh, that's the biggest thing I'm going to be looking for, more uh, watching the game on the first.
2: Yeah, and Michigan, you know, up to this point, they haven't really played against a quarterback with all the skills that Jalen Milroe has. I mean, there are very few quarterbacks in the world that have the skills that Jalen Milrow has, but it'll be interesting to see how Michigan tries to, like you say, bottle them up in that pocket and contain them a little bit. Is there anything on the Michigan side on their offense that you think the Alabama defense needs to be worried about?
9: Blake Kerr, uh, he's, he's actually uh, – and I was going to say this for the show, but because we're on the final word, I need to be able to give you a oh, come on, Come on, George. Wait,
2: what did you say? George,
9: what did you say the name of the show was? The Final Drive. Sorry. There I keep saying go. that. you You're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm on the final drive, I got to give you guys this, right? It's yep. And ladies, it's the, the blank is like uh, the little running back that, Kansas State had Oh but he's probably a little bit better. He's on the Cowboys now, right? Yes, Deuce Vaughn. Yes. He he's very shifty. He knows how to set up his blocks and when he decides to go, he goes. I'm actually going to show a couple clips on that tonight. They're identical plays, and he takes them for touchdowns over and over and over again against people um, because they do a good job blocking it. They set it up very well. And if our linebackers, I know you and I have talked about this on previous uh, shows, of if our linebackers are sniffing in the wrong place, hitting the wrong gaps or something, he could end up having big runs. So we're going to have to be very, very... Uh, Discipline in our gap fits all the way around because if we let that guy get loose, uh, running the ball is really going to slow the pace of the game down. We can't allow that to happen.
2: George, let me let me ask you. You said that you were broadcasting from a casino, right? You're kind of taking a little break.
9: Mm-hmm. I am. I am. I think this is a – so every now and again, uh, we're not like big, big gamblers like that, but we like to get away, let our hair down a little bit um, me and Consuela, my wife, and, um, uh, you know, spend a little bit of time together. One way we do is we take about an hour drive up into Oklahoma. It's a place called Chalk Talk Um, they are, have been good supporters of our family and of the podcast. And this would be the second time that we actually shot from out here nice. live. Nice. So they set us up really, really nice. Feed us good. And, uh, I tend to give back on the blackjack table or the crap table. Yeah. is that is that is that your yeah. go to game blackjack uh well, actually my wife's game is blackjack. my game is uh i gotta be on the crap table um but there's just a lot of action, a lot of different ways to bet you know i'm Kind of a math dude, like JT, like my son, a little bit. And uh, so the odds and the percentages, I like to play those. I think that's just like sports. You know, we're always trying to figure out, not tendencies, I know tendencies on dice, uh, but there are certain things that you can bet on to make your odds a little bit better when calling which play or where to put your money at um, so that you can come out successful.
2: Yeah, see, I've I've never even tried to step up to the craps table before. I've, like, looked at it, and I read all the words on it, and I don't even understand, you know, what it's asking me. I'm just afraid I'll walk up there, and all of a sudden $60 will have evaporated out of my pocket. So I'm (laughs) like your wife. I normally just stick to the blackjack table.
9: Well, your your new baby is going to want you to keep your $60, too. Uh, But, you know, the good thing about it is they give you health tidbits, a lot of tends to be a lot of people that know, actually know how to play the game, so you ask questions while you're there. It's, you know, it's a community, you know? And that's what I, I like about coming to places like this because you tend to um, bond or build relationships with people because you all got the same thing in mind. It, it, I keep giving this football analogy or team analogy, but that's what it is. Everybody's trying to win, so we're not trying to, you know, you're not playing against each other. Or any of that thing, and that you're not even necessarily playing against a dealer. You know, it's just the dice and hoping that they roll over the right way. So um, the Cowboys are going to have to roll their dice a lot against the Detroit Lions this week and hope they don't crap out. You know, they got to just be able to run the ball, find a way to use CD Lamb to do all the things that he needs to do um, and continue to be the big play person that he is. I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to slow him down very much. And then it's going to be the same thing with the Crimson Tide, right? They're going to have to find a way to try to beat this eight-man box that they're going to see run the ball. But I truly think there's going to be some shots for Jalen uh, Milro to, one, use his legs, two, to find some pretty good intermediate deep throws that he likes to throw as well. And I'm going to go on the line. You're talking stats and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I I would be shocked if they play us man-to-man more than five times this game. Wow. Okay. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. And I'll show you why. If if people will tune in to Teague's Take tonight, I'll show them exactly why. Um, on the second half of the show, um, because they are not very good at man-to-man coverage.
2: Well, George, go ahead and let our listeners know where they can find Teague's Take tonight, and they can see me and Corey as guests on your show.
9: Yeah, Teague's Take podcast on YouTube. Just go ahead and get there now. Look it up right now. If you need a website, it's live.teague'stake.com. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, and it'll tell you exactly when we're starting or when we're going live Um, which will be at 8.15 tonight, Central Time. Uh, It's going to be a good one, the first of many more of these to come like this. And, man, I just want to say thank you because I I know it's because of you and Corey and many others who are giving us the support that, you know, we hit 13 countries, man, that people all over the world are starting to watch T-State. That means we got Cowboy fans and Alabama fans all over the place. Um, So, um, we're gonna step our game up a little bit, match the intensity of what all of you is bring to this show
2: Nice, man well hey, I'm excited, and I know our listeners are excited to tune in as well and look, you were talking about we were talking about casinos and comparing them to the cowboys rolling the dice. If the cowboys keep dropping games, man, they might need to turn a t and t stadium into more of a casino and just start giving out free alcohol to the fans. <laughs>
9: You know, if you know anything about Jerry Jones, when you, as soon as you said the word free, that ain't happening. So. <laughs> that's right. He
2: immediately just turned off the show, huh?
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Free? No, that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. He believes in charity, but not when it comes to an opportunity to make some money. That's that great. ain't happening. That's right.
2: Hey, well, George, I appreciate it, man. We love having you on the show, and I look forward to talking to you
9: tonight. All right. See you in a few hours. Yep.
2: All right, guys. George Teague for you. I encourage you all to tune in tonight. I don't know how the heck it's going to go with me breaking down film with him. I mean, my uh, my NFL play recognition and kind of stops at my experience playing Madden. So we'll see. I'm going to do some studying. I'm going to try and come in there, look smart. At least try and look smarter than Corey is my plan i know i cannot rival the football intelligence of a george teague but i'll try and pull something out my pocket but guys we're listening to the final drive coming up next we'll talk about some of the crazy breaking news in the nfl today and then after that we're going to talk with Aton shander he covers the philadelphia eagles you're listening to the final drive <laughs> Hi, this is
5: Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. And I said I was going to talk about the NFL breaking news today. That was about uh, Packers cornerback Jair Alexander getting suspended for walking into the middle of the field for the coin toss and saying defense and everyone laughing at him it's it's a lot to kind of explain it doesn't make any sense really it's just so stupid if you really think about it but he's been suspended a game Russell Wilson has been benched the Broncos are going to try and save a little bit of money if they can it's looking like they're probably going to try and cut him in the offseason and just accept the L on the Russell Wilson trade and Start moving forward and let Sean Payton really build the team how he wants to. But some more recent breaking news that especially affects us here in the city of Mobile for South Alabama. And this does not pertain to the brawl with Eastern Michigan. At least I don't think. But this is per Simone Eli, sports director, WKRG. We all know her. But four South Alabama Jaguars assistant coaches have been fired. According to sources, this is per Simone, South Alabama linebacker coach Will Windham, running back coach Antonio Bradford, offensive line coach Gordon Steele, and wide receiver coach Michael Smith were all let go today. The Jags, as we know, finished the season 7-6 and after a win over Eastern Michigan this past weekend. So, I mean, what do we think about that? I, I, I can't tell you why. They're doing it. I mean, I think the running back production for South Alabama was pretty good. We know the wide receiver production has been great. You know, putting an NFL or putting a wide receiver into the NFL every single year. And this year would have been no different. But uh, Colin Lacey transferred over to Louisville. So I don't know. But Kane Womack is going to get at least four new guys on the sideline with them and you know they're gonna try and win more than seven games next year you know you're always trying to improve always trying to get better so we'll we'll see how all that unfolds but look about the Jair Alexander thing I'm just gonna play this clip and it was Jair Alexander right after the game and they interview him and they ask him all the questions about it so I'll just kind of let you guys listen in and when we come back, I'll try and break it down a little more if we don't get enough context. But let's hear what Jair Alexander said after the Packers game.
3: So, were you supposed to be a captain because the team announces the three game captains, and you were the fourth, and you called the toss? What happened there?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's only suit. You know, I don't think Coach knew I was from Charlotte. You know, so.
3: So you just did that on your own.
4: I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was like, a, you know, the guys backed me up, you know So they they knew I was from here. Did you realize you almost made a big mistake on the call though?
1: What did I do? Well, you said we want to go on defense. Yeah, which in theory could they could have said then you're electing to kick to to uh, kick
8: off what you had lost the opportunity then yeah. to receive in the second half?
4: Yeah, no, I told them that, uh, I said, uh, I want I want our defense to be out there. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I mean, it's pretty simple what I said. Like, I want the defense to be out there. they like, you mean defer? I'm like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Did he, did he say that to you? Yeah, he Because the, the mic was on. I, I, oh, it was? He heard you. <laughs> oh, really? No, he was just like, defer? I was like, yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. Everybody was laughing. I'm like, what are y'all laughing at? Like, it's pretty obvious
3: what I'm asking for. So did anyone say anything to you when you got back to the no. sideline?
4: <laughs> Why would they?
2: My guy, Jair Alexander, he's from Charlotte. It was his homecoming. He said, oh, what the hell? I'll go out there with the captains, and I'll even make the call. The Panthers, and I guess the Packers captains were just laughing, refs laughing, not really understanding what is going on. But my guy got suspended a whole game. This is the Packers who are trying to make the playoffs. Every game is a must win for Green Bay. And they're suspending their guy for this? I don't know. The Guys, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. They did win on Christmas, but it wasn't the best-looking win. But we're going to break down everything going on with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles with Aton Shander when we come back here on The Final Drive. You're listening to WNSP 105.5.
1: Hi, this is Phil Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoffs, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
10: Welcome back
2: to the final drive. We've been talking a lot of NFL. Just got done talking about the weird suspension going on in Green Bay. Russell Wilson looking like he's on the way out in Denver you can't talk about the NFL without talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think we've all been a little skeptical of lately. I know we all love Jalen Hurts. Look, I like Jalen Hurts too, but I don't know. They did win on Christmas, so that looks good. Maybe they're trending in the right direction now, but there's got to be someone who knows a little bit more about the Eagles than me. So why not Aton Shander? He covers betting for Odds Shopper. He's also on TV at Fox 29 in Philly. And he writes for the Philly Voice. So, if anyone knows Eagles, it's Aton. Aton, how you doing, man? I'm
1: fantastic. Appreciate it. I'll do my best. There's definitely a couple of people in this city a little smarter than me. Probably a lot more people that are smarter (laughs) than me. But happy to be on with you guys. And it's definitely been a volatile year, I think, to say the least.
2: Yeah, so... Basically, let me just give you my perspective. Throughout the whole year, I just have not really been that impressed with the Eagles, even though, you know, they have had one of the best records in the NFL for the majority of the year. But just when I watch the game, it always just seems like there's something a little off. Or are, are you with me there? Am, am I off base?
1: No, no, no. I mean, especially if you're looking at it from the backdrop of what was last year, a yep. team that, was really dominant especially on defense we talk about the specifics as far as what's gone wrong this year in a second but just your overall big picture takeaway I think is spot on and it's not just defense it's a combination it's Jalen Hurts turning the football over it's the offensive line and really the offense bad penalties at times just mistakes at times nothing like Kansas City level but still Pretty bad mistakes and bad penalties, bad timing, I think, more so than anything. And then the defense has just been atrocious, especially in the secondary, compared to last year. So, yeah, it should look worse compared to what we saw last year because the data, the map, the numbers all say this team is just not anywhere near as good or at least performing as well as what we saw last year. They're still pretty good in this NFL But they set this ridiculous standard last year, and they're nowhere near that.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a great comparison there. Do you think that, you know, we know that both assistant coaches left. Did that play a big role? Were they actually, I'm not going to say more important than we thought, because obviously you're an assistant uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You're important, but maybe them leaving, it was just hard to replicate what it was that they were doing. Yeah, so I I think there are two
1: different things going on, right? Like offense and defense, and they're not necessarily the same, or at least the means aren't the same to the end, which is problematic. Defense, I think, is a little bit easier to see. Look, last year it it wasn't Jonathan Gannon. So this isn't me sticking up for Sean Desai. It's just not me saying, well, the guy here previously at least was so much better. Jonathan Gannon – had a defense that was winning one-on-one battles, sometimes one-on-two battles. Four guys up front it's history that was made. Four guys up front had double-digit sacks. That wasn't scheme. That wasn't off stunts. That wasn't off exotic blitzes. That was off guys like Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargraves. I mean, that that was just guys beating other human beings one-on-one. How often you see? I mean, you guys see it in big-time college all the time. Right, NFL as well. You've got linemen, defensive linemen, who are just winning battles, and the Eagles were able to do that combined with not making mistakes and and really just getting up early, getting up on teams. They had those those huge second quarters from last year. So you get up early on a team, and you have a a pass rush that can just tee off. It's going to work. Um, It's it's going to work every single time. So. That's a huge difference that Sean Desai just did not have that pass rush that was generating the pressure. All of a sudden, James Bradbury doesn't look that good. All of a sudden, the secondary outside of the cornerback, you know, the safety spot, they don't look that good. All of a sudden, the linebackers don't look that good. They've dealt with some injury, for sure, but every team deals with injury. So so that's the defensive side. It's just it came down to that. And, look, the offensive side is turnovers. Are turnovers, mistakes, drives that are not turning into touchdowns rather field goals not getting up early on teams has really hurt the eagles remember they went through this stretch where they were down double digits like four or five straight weeks that's just not a sustainable path to winning in the nfl
2: Aton, let me ask you this do you think that jalen hurts is 100 percent healthy i feel like when i watch him it looks like he's moving a step or two slower compared to last year
1: yeah, it's hard to tell, right? Because at one point he certainly was not. When he had the knee injury, he was definitely not something that was like 100% clearly he wasn't out there. The offense wasn't flowing and there was clearly a change in productivity. Just as you mentioned how he looked. I think he's back, but I don't necessarily think anybody's 100%. Right now, and not to sound too cliche, but I think, you know, he's, he's probably playing at like an 85% clip. But the other thing, too, is we've seen him when he was hurt throw the football effortlessly and really make some big plays with his arm. So there's really no excuse to, to your question slash point. There really is no excuse for the Eagles. Like, they shouldn't be able to fall back and be like, well, you know, our quarterback's hurt. Uh huh. He has played at an exceptional level even when he was 50% out there. So he's probably like 85%. But you see, like he's still he's making some questionable decisions still. He's just not the same as what he was last year. He's getting pressured far more from non-defensive linemen than last year. And the defense just isn't generating pressure. So it all comes down to pressure.
2: Let me ask you this. You guys bring in DeAndre Swift. Does he seem like you're running back for at least the near future, or is this a one season type experiment? I know he's looked good. I know Jalen hurts, steals all his damn touchdowns, but I mean he <laughs> looks good when he yeah. runs the football.
1: yeah, if we definitely don't bet deandre swift to, to score many touchdowns now. i mean Jalen is just like the t d vulture that I haven't seen before because of that whole tush push brotherly shove thing, but I mean, look, Swift is a local product. He he went to high school here. He knows this area. The area knows him. He has played, when called upon, at a really high level. I think the only real issue with Swift is why isn't he getting the ball more? Why aren't they committing more to the run? They also ran Kenny Gainwell a lot. They run that. They, they do this. The Eagles have, even when they have a, a number one back, they run a complementary back. They've always done this. They did it with Doug. They did it with even Crazy Chip. They did it with Andy Reid, with Brian Westbrook. There, There was somebody else who, and this is just how they value the position, there was always somebody else who could take on somewhat of a load. So even though Kenny Gainwell is still getting touches in a part of this offense, Swift is the number one back. And I think there will be a concerted effort to keep him here for as long as they will with a running back. doesn't mean he's going to retire here or anything along those lines, but I'd be shocked if he wasn't here past this year doing more things. And, again, being local and, and playing well, having a, a massive, I think, just impact when touching the football, they recognize that Swift's going to be part of this thing moving forward.
2: Nice. I did not know that he was a Philly guy, actually, so that's really cool. Oh, yeah.
1: Yep, so that helps. That definitely helps. Right? I mean, if the guy's like the 52nd man on the roster, who gives a you-know-what, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he could go to uh, high school, go to St. Joe's College here, but you know who cares <laughs> if they're going to replace him? But he's, he's the starting running back, and he is a crowd. Let me tell you, man, th- this kid is a crowd favorite up here. They yes. love him, and rightfully so. I mean, he, he's a good kid, and he loves this team, and he loves this city because he grew up with it. So there's, there's that connection right there. And again, look, business is business. Brian Dawkins was let go here, right? So anybody can let be let go or traded or dealt, what have you. Yeah. But I think, I think they like Swift as the, in that position, too.
2: Well, Eton, let, let me ask you this. What do you think the Philadelphia Eagles need to do in these final two weeks here in the NFL season? I mean, you guys are going to be heavily favored in both these games, but mm-hmm. what do you think they need to do to tighten up and get back on track to really be a legitimate Super Bowl contender?
1: I think they need to go through a couple of things. It's it's probably too late. This is probably who you are as a team, and it's tough to change your stripes this late. But if, if I had it in my way, I'd say go through the next two weeks and gain as much muscle memory as you can of not turning the football over and generating pressure off really just one-on-one type battles on the defensive line. Again, the ideal situation is to not turn the football over, get four four or five sacks over the, each of the next two games. I don't think that's possible or maybe not in the realm of possibility, meaning like going to happen. But if they did that, if and that's where I think you get around the whole, well, yeah, it's the Cardinals and then it's the Giants again. If they played clean, smart football, aggressive football on defense, and they just look clean, because we'll go back to what you said initially. The first question you had, statement you had, was whether I agreed about this team just not looking the same and just not looking sharp out there. If they cleaned it up for two weeks, there's always going to be people being like, yeah, come on, man. It's the, it's the Cardinals. It's the Giants. But that's the only argument. It's not, oh, you guys are, are struggling again against the Cardinals, another close victory against the Giants. I think that's the only thing you can do right now in your control is limit turnovers and generate as much pressure, really with that front four as you can.
2: All right, one more question before I let you go. Who would you rather the Eagles face in that first round of the playoffs? <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks, who you, you know, we recently lost to, led by Drew Locke. Or the L.A. Rams, who have been red hot, but you guys did beat them earlier in the year. This is tough, right? Because Pete
1: Carroll has never lost to the Eagles, although we all know how difficult it is to beat the same team twice in a year. The Rams are just a dangerous—the Rams are a really dangerous matchup for the Eagles, tight end is a tough position for the birds. They've been torched deep. Nakua, you've got Cooper out there. I would say Seattle, even though you're going into a buzzsaw from a coaching standpoint of a guy in Carroll who has yet to lose to Philadelphia, I would play off the fact that there is revenge. There is the sense of just how difficult it is to beat the same team twice and how tough of I mean, look, you go back to the Rams. I get it. Like, the Eagles played the Rams earlier. I understand that. But I'm talking about it more from the standpoint of beating the Eagles. And I just think that the Eagles, the Eagles match up better with Seattle, even though they have two receivers and, and they can move the ball with a healthy Chino. I'd rather see Seattle's defense than I would the Rams.
2: Good stuff, Eitan. I really appreciate you coming on and hopping on with me. If our listeners want to keep up to date with everything that you've got on, you know, covering all of Philadelphia sports, where can they find you at?
1: Appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. At Shander Show is the easiest way on Twitter. You mentioned oddshopper.com, so we do a lot on their YouTube as well. That's pretty much it, man. Thank you. happy yeah, man. to talk it- birds, anything in general.
2: All right, man. Well, look, when the Eagles get into the playoffs, I, I might holler at you, Okay. absolutely thanks buddy I'll talk to you then thanks take care Aton Shander nice guy first time ever talking with him what do you guys think Eagles contenders pretenders I don't know I just haven't been impressed by them all year haven't been impressed by the Chiefs all year But they are the Chiefs, they are the Eagles. You always feel like they can turn it on. You always know that they're gonna be in every single game. So, we'll see. I I feel like they're like, well, I feel like the Chiefs haven't gotten blown out this year. I feel like every team has gotten like blown out once. Other than I guess the Ravens. Final drive, one more segment. And then we're talking Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy will be here. We got two great players that are going to hop on with us. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
7: Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama.
2: Welcome back to the Final Drive. Been covering a lot of stuff on this show. Shout out to all the guests: Steven Root, George Teague, Aton Shander, who we just were talking with. We covered the brawl at the Ventures Bowl. We talked about <laughs> the the really weird Jair Alexander suspension in, in Green Bay. We talked about the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Breaking news, Nick Saban, Miss Terry, and his granddaughter is riding down Main Street in a parade at Disneyland in California for the Rose Bowl. Looking happy, doing the little princess wave. Good for Nick Saban. I know he is having a great time. One coach who probably isn't having a great time is Sean Payton in Denver. It came out that Russell Wilson, they are benching him these final two games. I think it is a financial move. I, th- I think it's a little—it's a, a multiple of things. Financially, they don't need Russell Wilson to get an injury in these last two games, and then that'll cost them a guarantee of $37 million. So if you bench him, you know he's not going to get hurt. You know you're not going to have to guarantee another 37000000 million. They're still going to have to eat like $80 million if they cut him, but I mean, you have to accept the L. It just was not a good trade, but Sean Payton had some comments. We'll get to him real quick. About you know is is he putting too much blame on Russell Wilson? It looks
5: like Russ is taking the brunt of the blame. Well, I get that, and, and yet um, I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers, and and, it, and if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. I, it, it, this this is something that. You know, these are difficult decisions, and obviously there's more attention when it's the quarterback who's who's under contract, but different than maybe, you know, earlier decisions we've made with maybe last year's prior starters. Uh, I can just assure you one thing, and, and honestly, and, and I've said this to Greg and George a number of times, I'm just interested in winning, and, and it doesn't matter how. Um, when you do this you know, for this long period of time, that's all you're interested in because there's nothing like it and then the other side of it, you know, there's nothing like that either, so. um,
2: My man is just starving. He's just trying to eat a couple dubs like Jameis. Whatever it takes to win, I, I can respect that. I'm sure Russell Wilson will play quarterback somewhere. I mean, he's a He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now, right? I mean, so is probably Baker Mayfield. So what is that really saying? But look, Sean Payton, man, he wants to win games. If he doesn't think Russell Wilson's the guy, you can't just completely flip your roster around, but you can start at the quarterback. Coming up next, Jim Nagy's going to come hop on the show with me we got two great Senior Bowl players who are going to join the show as well. Ricky Pearsaw out of Florida. Marshawn Nealon out of Western Michigan. So get ready for that. Coming up next, Chavis Furniture's The Draft Starts Here Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by D&K Suit Discounters. Jim will be here. Got the great guest. You won't want to miss it. We will be right
0: back. This is the sound of Mobile, and you're listening to Chavis Furniture's The Draft Starts Here Reese's Senior Bowl show, presented by DK Suit Discounters. Stay tuned for the next hour and stay up to date with Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy as the Reese's Senior Bowl celebrates 75 years of bringing the best NFL draft prospects to the Port City. We'll
2: be tuned chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by DK Suits. Discounters. My guy Corey is taking an elongated Christmas vacation. But me
8: and Jim, man, we, we gotta get to work. We are holding it down without Corey. This is like week four. <laughs> no. I don't know what hey, Corey's got it. I swear. <laughs> Corey's got an
2: excuse every week. I know. I don't know how many vacation days they gave him when he when he came on, but it was more than I got, I think. Well, but
8: he's earned them. Oh qu- no, Corey no works his tail off. So yeah. no, no question. I, per- hope, I hope Corey's having a good holiday somewhere out there. Oh, for sure. Perfect attendance all
2: up until this week. But Jim, happy late Christmas, happy early New Year.
8: How was your holiday weekend, if you had one? It was good. It was very low key. It was uh, you know, it's kind of one of those um, not sobering's not the right word but humbling maybe i don't know my my son came home from college like okay. when you're old enough to have your a kid coming home from college it puts you in your place a little bit like you know what you're getting old yep. uh, so but it's been good it's been good to have him home it was a low key low key christmas we did have about 30 people over on christmas day for a few hours oh, wow. for for a brunch that we do every year my wife's family but uh, no it was great man it was great nice man you talk about you feeling old I can only imagine
2: because I feel old. Because in my Christmas now, I'm torn around my baby. You got the 18, 19 year old kid coming home. Man, I feel like a grandpa.
8: Yeah, you're young, man. <laughs> you're young. You got the newborn. <laughs> I heard. I heard you and Mark on this morning about yeah. your Christmas time and. Uh, with the new which is great you got so much to look forward to man like christmas is so special so special when they're little and that's right just the magic of christmas we're, we're out of that mode now sure, <laughs> with sure. a freshman in college and a not, freshman you're not in high school. not putting the uh,
2: reindeer food on the roof anymore no uh,
8: you know <laughs> i mean santa still comes but it just sure. loses its luster a little bit when they're when uh, it's not toys it's all you know it's adult that's stuff right. now so. that's right that's but right it's, but it's still they're, christmas. they're not making
2: amazon gift cards up in the elf workshop no no but no they're not
8: jim i got some
2: great guests for you we got Ricky Pearsall from Florida we got Marshawn Nealon from Western Michigan they're going to join the show today can you just give a brief little uh summary about both those guys
8: sure yeah Ricky Ricky Pearsall is a fifth year player at Florida kind of a slot receiver punt returner played his first three years I believe at Arizona State with Jaden Daniels the quarterback from LSU Heisman Trophy winner um really good player like probably you know fringe top 100 draft pick third fourth round um could see him being a starting slot receiver at the next level. Fantasy owners should know about this guy. For all you guys that play fantasy, Ricky is a guy that you'll you'll probably want to know about these next few years, but had a good year for Florida. Um, Marshawn Nealand is a guy that uh, flirted. He's a Western Michigan guy, uh, so a group of five player. We, we're, we're not getting many of those now with uh, the transfer portal. It's hard for us to get. I mean, a group of five players like considered a small school player for us now. It used to be like Division two, II, Division three. Now it's group of five, so – Oh, how things have changed in just about two years with this with this game. But, uh, but Marshawn is a really good player. Again, probably like a fringe top 100 guy. There was a lot of day two love on our calls with teams about Marshawn. Um, a lot of third round type stuff. So for a guy like from Western Michigan, that's a high draft pick. So yeah. um, plays defensive end. They move him all over the place. Uh, he's got really heavy hands. He's hard to block. He plays extremely hard um he's a guy that flirted with going with coach prime in the portal to uh, colorado this offseason we can talk about that when we have him on the show i don't know why exactly um you know he decided not to do that but i know there was a i think he might even went out there for a short period of time but then returned to kalamazoo michigan um but yeah good player so that'll be fun that'll be fun having those two guys on nice and and you mentioned you know smaller schools well There are
2: four really big schools that are going to be playing on January 1st, those being Texas taking on Washington, Alabama taking on Michigan. And these schools, I mean, if you're in the college football playoff, there's NFL talent on your roster. There has to be. So let me just ask you, we'll go team by team. Who on Michigan, I know the Alabama fans are going to want to know who to look at and potentially be worried about, who on Michigan are you eyeing for the senior bowl and you think is really NFL caliber talent?
8: Sure. And we have some, we have a bunch of commitments here, Nick, but uh, we they, they asked for us to hold off. I mean, they've, they've had a tumultuous year. I mean, everyone's been well documented. I couldn't turn on your station without Lee Shervanian talking about Michigan's cheating scandal and all yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> so I know you've covered it pretty well on the NSP Air, Airwaves. But no, they're... They're bonded together right now. Like, they didn't want us to announce the invites. They're all about, you know, team stuff right now, not individual stuff. So we're respecting that. Uh, But they do have a lot of good players. You know, Jim Harbaugh said before the season started he thought they could break the record for. The amount of, the number of draft picks, and I don't know if they'll get quite there, but they will have, you know, they'll have double-digit draft picks. So, um, you know, they won the Joe Moore Award for the Offensive Line of the Year in college football the last two years. Washington just won it this year. Um, but Ladarius Henderson, their left tackle, is, a, is a, a really good player. Zach Zinner was their right guard. Uh, he was probably the most noteworthy guy Zach was, and then he shredded his knee in that uh, – Ohio State game was kind of the turning point in that Ohio State game. But then at the skill, the skill spots, you know, anyone that followed follows college football, even, you know, casually probably has heard of Blake Corum over the years. They're, they're great running back. I think Blake led the country in rushing touchdowns this year Had 21 and 22 touchdowns. Roman Wilson's their their top wide out. Uh, Roman is a really fast slot receiver. A lot of those slots are quick guys. He's a really fast guy. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, NFL fans will remember a guy named Chris Jenkins back in the 2000s, was a pro bowl, all pro level player for the Jets and the Carolina Panthers with well, his son, Chris Jr., is uh, one of Michigan's defensive tackles. He'll be a top 50 pick, probably maybe a first round pick. Wow. Uh, they've got a nickel corner, Mikey Sanerstrill, who started his career there, played his first three years at wide receiver. They moved him to DB last year. And he's had a great couple years at defensive back. He had five interceptions this year, real playmaker in the secondary. I think he'll be a top hundred pick. Uh, really a cool football player. He plays on special teams. He's just wherever you put him, he could play. Um, he's just that kind of just that kind of guy. He's the team captain. Everyone in Ann Arbor loves this Sainter Strill kid. Um, so those are some of the names. Michael Barrett at linebacker is a guy that you'll see running around from the middle of the defense. Um, but we could go on and on. But those are sure. those are probably like the you know, the top guys, Michigan's also got a tight end, um, AJ Barner, um, who we actually invited today, um, do not have a commitment from AJ yet. Cause we just sent the invite today. We, it is a lean tight end class. Um, I'll say that if you're a, if you're a team needing a tight end, this is not the draft, uh, to be needing one, but, uh, so yeah, those are the Michigan guys. They've, again, they've, they've got a lot of draftable players. Do they have a lot of high picks, probably not a lot of Alabama will have them on the first and second round picks Michigan's got a lot a lot of guys that are gonna get picked on day three
2: let me ask you this out of all the guys you just named who do you think is most likely to be a game wrecker against Alabama in the Rose Bowl uh,
8: it'll probably be um, Chris Jenkins the defensive okay. tackle like he's a guy if he was on that Alabama team he would start he's a really I mean he's a first he's a first round caliber player um, I would I would probably say Chris and then if they they have to throw the ball, they can't just run the ball like they've been doing in the Big Ten to be successful. They need J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, to have a big night. And if he has a big night, it's got to be Roman Wilson. So gotcha. if I'm Alabama, I got to be focused on Roman Wilson in the slot. And he's a different slot matchup because he's a legit four-three guy. He can really, really run. So he'll be a matchup problem for them. And they can't, they can't cover him with Malachi Moore. You know, Malachi's going to be a four-six guy, so you can't cover Roman Wilson with him they're going to have to get Caleb Downs and play a lot of over-the-top coverage and and kind of bracket him and pay a lot of special attention to Roman Wilson. So if Michigan wins, they need a big day for McCarthy and Roman Wilson. All right, well, let me ask you about, you know, the
2: other team in that game, the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are already probably familiar with the names you're about to say and can probably guess who they're all about to be, but Go ahead and let them know anyway.
8: Yeah. Um, offensively, you know, the one guy for the senior bowl would be would be Jermaine Burton on offense. You know, Jason McClellan as well, the running back. So those are really the skill players that we'd be focused on. They're really young up front on the offensive line. They don't have any offensive lineman for us, except maybe J.C. Latham if he comes out in the draft. Um, they're just young. They're young at all those spots. Burton's the guy that's had the breakout year. He He's earned a senior bowl invite. We'll see. We'll see what he decides to do jermaine has been a tough to guy tough guy to get a hold of um okay. i'll just leave it leave it at that the last <laughs> right. few weeks um and then defensively uh, you know dallas turner um chris braswell the pass rushers Justin nick is a guy who's accepted his invite we've announced that um you know deontay lawson from mobile christian is a guy in the middle of the defense and then and then i i mentioned malachi moore's had had his best year probably since his freshman year this year in the back end and then caleb downs and Terion Arnold and Kool Aid McKinstry, I mean, all those guys are available to us now. So if we get through the year, uh, once we get through these games, those will be guys we'll try to get on board. Um, Terion might be a hard guy to get because he's going to be a top half of the first round pick. Okay. Um, he's, you know, everyone knows Kool Aid's name. I would I would put good money right now that if the draft were today, Tarion would actually be the higher drafted Alabama wow. corner. Um, some people might not realize that, but that's that's the way it would go. Um, so they're they're loaded. It's a typical Alabama team. They've got sure. they've got NFL guys everywhere. Well, wait, Jim, we're gonna go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we'll get
2: Ricky Pearsall on the line, and I'll let you chat it up with him about his collegiate career and you know the draft process and being a part of the Senior Bowl. But Listeners, you're listening to Chavis Furniture's The Draft Starts Here, Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by d Suits Discounters. Coming up, Ricky Pearsall from Florida. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: This is Charlie
11: Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP.
9: Roll Tide.
2: Back to Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by D and K Suits Discounters. I'm joined by Executive Director Jim Nagy, and on the line, our first Senior Bowl guest of the show,
8: Ricky Pearsall. Jim, you want to bring him in? Yeah. Hey, Ricky. How you doing, man?
10: I'm doing good. How are you? Good.
8: Yeah, good. You having me on here? Yeah, man. Absolutely. We're excited to get you to Mobile. I think the last time that you and I saw each other was up at uh, SEC Media Days in Nashville oh, and yeah. back back in July. A lot's happened since then. So, uh, first off, c- congrats on a great last year. Uh, just looking at your, thank you. We obviously been watching your tape all fall. So sometimes I lose track of like statistics because we're just watching the tape. I didn't realize you like doubled your catches. You went from like 33 catches to 65 and. You almost hit a thousand yards this year did you did you meet all your goals because I mean for the listeners, you could have come out last year and been drafted. so like what was your take us take us back to like a year ago um you're a guy that mm-hmm. could have you're, you're a guy that could have been drafted a year ago but yet you chose to go back to school. like how was that process and then you know what were your goals for this year did did you and did you meet your goals?
10: Yeah, man, it was a really long process. obviously, like you said, I had that decision you know whether to stay or go. And, man, I think it was a great decision by myself, obviously. I had to break everything down and make the best decision for myself. But, you know, obviously uh, uh, I thought um, everything outweighed, so, you know, I decided to stay. And um, it was a long process, man, and I made a lot of goals for myself. I don't think I met all of them. I mean, I was really shy of one, obviously, with the 1,000-yard mark, but, You know, I think I hit a lot of uh, goals that I wanted to reach. um, Obviously, with the catches, I was trying to get to 60 catches at least. So, you know, I made that. Um, So, you know, I was really excited to be able to do that.
8: And was one of your goals a Reese's Senior Bowl invite, too? Oh, absolutely. That was (laughs) also on there. Absolutely. No, but you play a position that's really dependent upon a lot of other factors. In, In going back to last year, so you lose Anthony Richardson, you know, your quarterback leaves, he's the fourth pick in the draft. You know the coaching staffs talking talking through the portal with you, like, hey, we got you know all these different quarterbacks. We're probably gonna get this Graham Mertz kid from Wisconsin. Like, that's gotta be hard, right? Like, you didn't know anything about Graham Mertz. Like, you've never. I mean, I don't assume. Did you know Graham Mertz before? Maybe you worked at a camp of them before. But, but like that. I mean, you you just play a position that a lot of things need to happen right for you to get end up getting the ball in your hands. So, um, I gotta imagine that was a really hard decision. Oh yeah, for sure. And
10: it's actually funny you say that because I didn't know Graham before. But the only reason I knew Graham is because we went to the Las Vegas Bowl prior to that when I was over at Arizona State, and we played Wisconsin. So he was the quarterback over there.
3: Okay.
4: So
10: that's when I was aware of who he was. He was aware of who, who I was. Obviously, we was making plays on both sides. So we just knew who we were. And then when he came for a visit at practice, that's when we actually like had a conversation. And you know I walked up to him. And I told him about the Las Vegas Bowl stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, I remember you, blah, blah. So <laughs> you know we hit it off right away. But – no, it was good to see him and I told him at practice I was like, Hey man, if you wanna come here just watch me. Watch me work. So and then obviously things led to another and he ended up coming to play for us.
8: Yeah, you guys clicked, man. He had a really good year. I'm excited that and uh, no, no, I think he's going back to school. Um, so Graham will be a guy that we're locked in for the Senior Bowl next year because I really thought he thought he played really well. Let t- take the listeners. I'll I'll say to the listeners right now, like you just Google Ricky Pearsall and and I guess the word catch or like unbelievable catch. Uh, but but you you made like the catch of college football this year. Um, there's probably a lot lot of listeners that have seen it because we this is a rabid college football fan base here in Mobile, so a lot of people remember. What game was that where you got sandwiched between the two defenders, one-handed catch, like fully exposed? You almost looked like the Jordan logo when you went up to make the catch. (laughs) Um, What game was that?
10: That was the Charlotte game.
8: Okay. all right. Well, well, take us through that catch, man, because it was a completely fearless catch. I mean, like I said, you went up for it. No no regard for your body. You knew you were going to get hammered. Um, And then to come down with it one-handed and secure the catch, like I mean, I've been doing this. I've been scouting for 25 years. All I've done for the last 25 years of my life is wake up every day and watch tape. So, I've seen a lot of football. That was one of the best catches I've <laughs> ever seen.
10: First off, thank you very much. But, yeah, it was um, a seam read. So, you know, if it was a middle-closed look, I had the seam, which it was at the time. Um, middle-closed look, I took the seam. And then, obviously, I, you know, I, Graham gave me that look before the play started that it was coming to me. And, um, you know, he ended up putting the ball up in the air. And my, my job is to go up there and get it. So, and uh, the fastest way to go and get it was one hand. So I went up there with one hand, made the catch, and you know, obviously hit with it. So I think it was better that I went up with one, though, cuz if I went up with two, I might have taken a harder overhead
8: hit. <laughs> well, you 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 look like a kid like going up for the ball. You look like a kid that played some hoops growing up, and I'm going to ask you this question cuz <laughs> I'm prepping you for your NFL interviews. I know when I going back to no, my time sure. going back to my time with the Seahawks, every player we met with Coach Carroll asked every kid, like, what, what else he played in high school. Did you play – Did so did you play any other sports in high school?
10: Yeah, so I played uh, basketball in high school and then my freshman year, and then I ran track my senior year. But I grew up, like, youth around, like, the youth age uh, playing basketball, and then I stopped playing basketball in middle school, and then I picked it back up in high school for my freshman year. But after that, I just focused on football for a few years and then decided to run track my senior year, so –
8: Well, I saw that you, what'd you run track? Do you run sprints? Were you like 100, 200 guy? Yeah, I was
10: running 100. I ran the 200. I did a long jump. Can't really remember all my, um, what my times were and the jumps were, but I can look back. I know I have. I have it on my phone somewhere, so I can get that to you. if You want to look at that? No,
8: you're, you're going to want to know that stuff because that will be Coach Carroll's follow-up question. He's going to ask you what you ran and what you jumped. He's going to ask you all that stuff. And if he doesn't think it's good, he's going to give you a little. He's going to give you a little something about it. That uh, was <laughs> no,
10: for sure. They don't do it in the
8: forty anyway, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, talk to talk about, um, you know, playing receiver like you were talking about reading the coverage and you and Graham communicating. Like I don't think listeners realize like how much goes in to play in receiver in in like were your routes locked mostly i mean at the nfl level there's a lot of read concepts where you're adjusting your routes to the coverage like were you doing a lot of that at florida because to me that's that's one of the biggest transitions for you know receivers going from college to the pros is that uh, that You know, there's there's a lot. You have a lot more flexibility, um, and you're reading stuff on the fly. And and you and the quarterback got to be in the same page based on coverage. Um, Were you doing some of that at Florida? I mean, it's really. I don't think people understand like what a hard position you play. It's really, it's really, it's a mentally demanding position.
10: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think Coach Napier did a good job of having a variety of plays like that. For example, the play I just talked about. Um, You know, as a receiver, you got to get the play call from the sideline. We we use signalers so I had to get the play call from there, and then obviously get lined up, and then from there, it's you know, it's reading the defense. So you know, I look at the DB first. Well, I'm look at the coverage first, and then I look at the DBs and his technique that he's playing on me. But for example, in that that look, you know, I I saw it was a middle closed look, which is just a one high safety, and you know, on my route, I could have bent it or I could have kept it straight down the seam. And middle closed look, you got to keep it down the seam, obvious And so. You know, there's a lot of plays just like that. There's option routes that we ran, you know, um, from the slot. So we had a lot of different plays, you know, that went off of different coverages. And I don't think really people understand, you know, as a receiver you got to know that just as much as a quarterback in order to be on the same page and, you know, obviously have good communication and get the ball in the right spot.
8: Well, you are going to make a living on option routes at the next level. I might, Before that, you know, I spent a long time in New England with, with guys like Wes Welker and, and Julian Edelman and those guys. I mean, um, Troy Brown. I mean, there was a. We had a bunch of great slots. You kind of, you kind of fit that mold. But you can also run. I mean, some of those guys, like Wes Welker, coming out ran. Not many people know this. Wes Welker ran four seven flat coming out. I know you're going to run faster than four seven flat. <laughs> um, but I mean, you 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 bring in you bring an element of speed to the slot. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of slots are yeah. are quicker than fast guys. You actually have an element of speed too. Um, but let me, let me transition away fr- uh, from that a little bit. You know, when you're watching tape, because I know you have to watch a lot of it for, for what you do, um, we've got a bunch of SEC corners um, and DBs playing in the game. So we got, you know, the two Mizzou corners, Chris Abram-Strain, who's a local guy from down here in Mobile, um, and then Ennis Rakestraw. Uh, we, we got, the, we got three, three DBs from Auburn. Um, you know, so, so who did you watch this year when you were watching opponent tape? that you're like, okay, this dude's good?
10: Yeah, I thought the Mizzou, both the Mizzou corners were really good. I thought they were very patient. They had, they played with really good eyes. They're really good athletes. And I know one gets more um, media than the other and more hype, but I, th- I thought they were both cool. really good. So I think, you know, the other kid might be a little bit underrated and not a lot of people know about him, but I thought they were both really talented kids. I thought they had really good feet. I noticed it when I was playing against them and, when I was prepping to play them, I made sure, you know, I had to set up my game, especially during that week of practice, to make sure, you know, I was ready for that. But I thought those two corners were pretty good.
8: Well, yeah, your Abrams' drain is the one that it gets most of the media love because he had, he had all the picks, rake straws that get on the – I'm mm-hmm. with you. They're both really good players. Uh, we only got a couple more minutes here, but um, you played your first couple years at Arizona state. You're an Arizona, you know, state of Arizona kid. I actually lived out there for a couple years when I was, when I first started scouting back in like 2000, probably before you were born. But, uh, but, but you spent a couple years with sun devils and then you tran- then you transferred to Florida. Um, again, like listeners hear about the portal and, and everything. Like, you, you know, you were playing out there with Jaden Daniels. Um, you had some good players on that team. Just talk about the portal. In what that process was like, and like you go in there, you're a good player. You put your name in. You've got all these schools reaching out, and I know that's a crazy process too. Like we talked about your decision to like come back this year and play, but that portal thing was another. You've you've made some big decisions already in your young in your young football career. Just just talk about the portal a little bit.
10: For sure, I think uh, right now during this time, the portal has a pretty bad rep. But I think that's just because sometimes it gets a little bit of abuse, but. (laughs) <laughs> you know, obviously, it set me up for another opportunity to come over here to Florida and have success. But, <clears throat> I mean, I didn't just get in the portal just to get in the portal. Obviously, I had my reasons and the things that I had a way out back at Arizona State. Jaden ended up transferring out of there. You know, some coaches left. so And then I still actually stayed there and went through spring ball to, you know, still go through there, see if I can get a good relationship with the quarterback. And at the end of the day, you know, I talked to his family and knew it was the best business decision for myself to get in the portal. And you know, go try my skills somewhere else and Florida reached out to me right away. And you know, it's just like recruiting all over again when you're back in the portal, just a little bit more amped up because you got experience in college football. So I ended up making that decision to go to Florida and um, and then obviously me and Coach Napier hit off right away.
8: Well, that's you must have really enjoyed playing in the swamp, man. That's a really unique atmosphere. Um and how how cool is it to see your former teammate win the Heisman this year?
10: It was amazing, man. I called him right away, blew up his phone, texted him like probably everybody else, but it was really cool. I was actually at at a wedding um, while he was um, in the Heisman ceremony, and I was watching it on my phone while the wedding was happening. So, you know, that's true dedication right there. (laughs) But I'm super happy for him. He deserves it.
8: I, l- I love it man that's cool that's something like someday when you're a grandpa you can like tell your grandkids like i played with you'll be watching the heisman ceremony and they'll be showing all the old pictures and stuff you'll be like i played with that guy um well, well well nick are we wrapping up yeah we probably
2: need to go ahead and get uh Marshawn on okay to get into that time
8: well, well ricky i appreciate you man thanks for hopping on um you know, I know you're training, getting ready for to come down here, but we're fired up. The city of Mobile is ready for you to come and have a great week. And uh, you enjoy the New Year's, man. We'll see you here in a few weeks.
10: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it, Ricky. All right,
2: Jim, good stuff there, man. Ricky seems
8: like a real nice guy. Yeah, he's a good one, man. He's, he's a good one. We uh, – like I said, he did a good. You were up at SEC media days. You yep. probably ran into him up there. I was there. Um, I was there. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's cool to see guys have success. That I mean, he came back for a reason, um, you know. And sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. You come back and the numbers don't work out, and the you know quarterback play whatever. But like he, and that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, you know, our guy that just left South Alabama, um, that that uh, it's going up to Louisville. Like I hope. Lacey. Yeah, to yeah Lacey. Um, I hope it works out for him up there like it did for Ricky.
2: Yeah, for sure. And he had a great year, uh, down here at South too. So hopefully he can replicate that in Louisville. And Wes Welker, I mean, four seven. They're they're not even putting wide receivers in the NFL that run that anymore,
8: right? Yeah, four seven flat. But the thing with Wes was like he got to that top end speed in like two steps. Like okay. he was and not many people know this, he was the all time leading um punt return touchdowns guy at Texas Tech. He had eight career college punt returns oh, for wow. touchdowns. He broke um, he broke Jordy Nelson's record. It nice. Jordy Nelson had at Kansas State. So yeah,
2: right, and he he's, he's still making waves in the NFL out there in uh, Miami with Tyreek and Waddle. So
8: he's coaching those guys, now, yeah, Right?
2: That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll get Marshawn Neeland on. he's from Western Michigan, and this is Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by D and K Suits Discounters. I'm here with Jim Nagy. We'll be right
6: back.
11: Hey, this is Slick Willie really Shaw from the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. You listen to sports video WNSP 105.5 FM.
2: Welcome back to Chavez Furniture. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show. I'm here with the hardest working man in Mobile, the man that never sleeps, Jim Nagy. And Jim, we got another great guest on the line for you, Marshawn.
8: Hey, what's up? You there, you there? Hey, it's Jim Nagy. How you doing, man?
11: <laughs> Pretty good. How about yourself?
8: I'm I'm doing fine. Are you uh Are you up in my home state of Michigan right now, or are you off Are you off training somewhere already?
11: Yeah, I'm back in Michigan. Okay. Um, I went to go train for a little bit, but they shut it down for, you know, the holidays.
8: Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, you back home with the, with the fam for, for Christmas. Yes, sir. Nice. And what's, uh, yeah, again, we, you know, we got, we, we share the Michigan thing. Where's, uh, not many listeners down here in Alabama will, will know your hometown. What's your hometown?
11: <laughs> Grand Rapids.
8: Okay. You're in Grand Rapids. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. I'm not too, I'm not too far from you. Um, well, well, hey, let, let's uh, let's get into this. I want I want to introduce you to all our listeners and, and talked about you a little bit in the first segment about what you are as a football player, um, just a hard playing, heavy handed um, guy that Western Michigan moves around. Coach uh, Coach Lance moves you around. Did a great job up there. Um, just talk about talk about you know your your time in college. I mean, this is what NFL teams are going to do in the interviews. They're going to ask you to like walk you through your your time in college and your four years, five years there in Kalamazoo. Um, Just tell us a little bit about it. How was your college experience?
11: For sure. Um, Well, starting off, you know, as a freshman, uh, it's pretty much the same as everybody else. I came in there, you know, thought I was going to be big guys, and, you know, there's a lot of guys ahead of me, and, you know, it's fun. We get to fight for our our spot. So going past that, in the next year, I got a little bit more playing time, um, which, you know, really gave... The coaches a lot more trust in me. So then, you know, going from not playing at all to I think the second game into there, I was playing like sixty snaps because our uh, starter had got hurt. So it was it was definitely a good experience there to uh, learn from a young age or younger age and um, getting a good amount of reps to learn the game. Then on um, after that, after I basically proved myself then, I've been a starter uh, pretty much ever since. Yeah, you're, is, uh, you're, a, is good.
8: you're a playmaker, man. I mean, the NFL is kind of going to a, you know, they, they like to say positionless players, um, you know, guys that can play multiple. And that's really what you are, man. I mean, back back in mm-hmm. the day, we used to call someone like you a tweener. And that that, you know, it used to be like a negative thing. Now it's like a positive thing because you can I mean, I think <laughs> I, and I just I say this, you know, with, with my background in the NFL, I think coaches are doing a much better job of finding guys that can do multiple things and, and getting them on the field doing those things. It used to be like Belichick was the only one that could do that. Now now across the league, mm-hmm. I think I think coaches are just getting smarter using a guy like you. So like, what do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as like a 3-4 outside linebacker? Do you see yourself as a 4-3 defensive end? Like, what to, if you could ideally pick a home for yourself, I know you just want to end up at one of the 32 teams and, and get a good opportunity. But, like, because teams are going to ask you this, too. Like, what do you see yourself as?
11: Mm. So, I mean, basically I see myself as, a, um, you know, heading in the dirt, DN and and a uh, four down. Because okay. that's really just all I've played since high school. But, um, you know, I start to see myself more, like, you know, standing up, moving around, which I love all of it. Obviously, as you can tell, watching the film. <laughs> I like doing it all. Uh, but definitely, I think um, uh DN and four down. Definitely
8: be. <laughs> well, I see it mainly. Well, what what you just said about about playing hard and loving to play. I mean, that's a one. That's one of the big reasons we we wanted you here in the game, and we're going to be kind of reuniting you with a with a former teammate, Braden Fisky, uh, from Florida State. Uh, I know a lot of people down here got to see some Florida State ball in um, what a year they had. But how cool is that? You're going to be able to you know play with a dude that you played for, you know, a few years there in Kalamazoo with. Have you guys talked about, you know, getting back together here at the Senior Bowl?
11: Definitely we have. Uh, That was actually the first person, um, because after he got it, he texted the coach, but the coaches told me they uh, heard from him that he wanted to tell me, but, like, you know, they wanted to wait to um, introduce it to me, like, in front of the team. Then right after I got it, he was the first person I (laughs) texted. And we talked about it, like, you know, how cool that would be.
8: Well, we were trying to see yeah that's really cool and you okay. you guys are very different players but like the effort man is like so i don't know what they were coaching up there um at western michigan but i mean you you two guys are relentless so it's going to be fun having you at practice and just kind of setting the tone and obviously it's going to be highly highly competitive when you've got all you know the amount of good players we have down here um but let's go let's go back to like a year ago at this time and we just got off with ricky pierce all receiver from florida you know, and he trained. He portaled from Arizona State um, to Florida a couple years ago. Well, you jump for the listeners. You jumped in the portal. You know, you went in the portal, um, mm-hmm. and I know that there was talk out there. Just you know, stuff I heard in the spring that you you maybe were going to to Colorado and joining Coach Prime and doing all that. Can you? Cause, but I don't know the extent of that. Can you just kind of fill us in on what that portal experience was like and and how you ended up back in Kalamazoo for your last year. <laughs>
11: experience is definitely crazy just because of all the, uh, like, you know, newer NIL stuff that's been going on. I'm sure everybody's heard. Um, but it was definitely a cool experience to be able to go and travel and see other places because before that, uh, really all I knew was uh, Western and, you know, a couple of other D2 schools um, that recruited me. But um, as far as Colorado, it was like basically I was going to go there. Obviously, I uh, committed. And I was like, a couple of days right before I was going to go there, I came back to Western. It was obviously at Western, I knew my, like, role was going to be higher. I knew that everybody appreciated me there and, you know, that whole thing. But as far as Colorado, it felt like um, they didn't appreciate me as much, um, which my coach, Kimball, was actually helped me in the recruiting. He used to tell me it all the time, like, you know, uh, like showing me everything that's in that, but, like, I always ignored it because, you know, going to play – uh Deion Sanders, it would have been pretty cool. <laughs> sure, no <laughs> but, question. you know, at the end. It, hmm?
8: and I said no question. It would, yeah. it would have been cool to go play for yeah. Coach Prime.
11: Yeah, but, um, I mean, towards the end, it really showed. And it was just, like, things that, uh, like, you just can't miss. It's things that you just can't ignore that was going on. And it was like, okay, like, I really see where they put me at. You know what I mean? So it was like, why would I go there? And. The
8: coaches really don't mess with me like that, you know? Well, or at I, least I felt like. Yeah, you know, I think where the NFL's at, they're going to see your decision as a really good thing, right? You stuck it out with a mm-hmm. group of guys that you, you came in with. You were loyal to those guys. You Obviously, your, your your boys mean some. You meant something to you to, to stick around, you know, for that last year. And have you talked to any guy? You've had a lot of players from Western Michigan just in your four years. Um, you know, whether it's like Jaden Reed, who was down here in the senior bowl, D Eskridge was in the senior bowl. Um, Jalen Moore was in the senior bowl. You got like Sky Moore playing the Kansas city chiefs. He came out as a junior. Okay. You've had a bunch of NFL guys. Have you reached out to them and like asked them about, you know, this process? Cause what you're, what you're about to jump into here, you know, from mobile uh-huh. through the combine and, and pro days and all that it's, it gets crazy. Have you, have you, have you, have you reached out to those guys?
11: actually uh I talked to I talked to J Mo because me and him actually have the same agent which is funny. So him, Isaiah Barnes, I talked to him a lot. Um I talked to French and then I tried talking to Caliendo but, you know, he gets a little too Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. You know, those are the guys that you know. I tried talking to and You know, communicate what's, with.
8: What's the best advice they gave you? And by the way, I, I screwed that one up on Zier Barnes. We should have brought him last year, but um, I'll, I'll raise my <laughs> hand on that one. We mess. I messed that one up. Um, but what's the what's the best advice they've given you?
11: The best advice um, that I got from you know basically all of them is you know just keep working hard. Um, you don't want to stand out for the wrong things. Like you don't want to. Uh, you know, stand out for being too, you know, loud, being too, like, out of the way. Like, you know, you want to go there, do your job, do what you got to do, show the coaches that you're reliable, show them that they can trust you because, you know, at the end of the day, they signing a check for millions, you know. You don't want somebody to give somebody millions and not know what they're going to do with it, which is basically what they told me. So
8: It's good advice. It's good yeah. advice. Um, so I ask all the guys that are on, on the show that we have on, what's the – Outside of Waldo Stadium, there at uh, in Kalamazoo, what's what's your favorite road place that you played during your time at Western?
11: Favorite road place that I played. Um, hmm. I did like Syracuse. I'm not gonna lie.
8: You like you like Syracuse the dome up
11: there? Nice. Yeah, the dome. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool there, and I had some good memories with the team there.
8: Very, so, cool. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Very cool. You you mentioned um, you you mentioned that when you were recruited out of high school, you know you didn't you weren't like a five star guy, four star guy, and you had even had some D two stuff. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. in Grand Rapids area, you've got two of the best Division two programs in the country right in your backyard with Grand Valley State and Ferris State. Were those were were those a couple of the, the teams on you? And then uh, you know what 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 was the decision to go to Western Michigan coming out of high school?
11: For sure. So actually Grand Valley was the uh the second team that uh offered me, but they actually at first came to me and offered me a preferred walk on. And then Staginaw Valley came and gave me a, a a full ride or a partial full ride as best as they can do. And then G V came back and gave me a, a full ride. And then that's when basically everything hit off and then I got a lot of uh, other stuff. Then Ferris came in like maybe two or three weeks um, after I already got uh, an offer from Western Illinois, which I was actually going to go there, but then Western Michigan came like last minute and <laughs> picked me up. And I came here, I had seen the coaches, met Espo, and met a couple of guys. And I was like, I was like yeah, this is like home, you know.
8: So that's a, you went yeah. from preferred walk-on at a D2 to a D2 offer mm-hmm. to then an FCS offer and then a group of five offer. So you 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 work the system, man. That's good. That's good work. That's <laughs> yeah. That's no good. Doubt. That's good work. Is that that's good work? Um, have you had a chance to look at the Senior Bowl roster and some of these offensive linemen that you're getting ready to go up against? And if you have, have you started watching any tape on them? Because I always think that's a good thing for the guys before they. They come down. I mean, you don't know what you don't know what what team you're on right now because we haven't set the we haven't set the American and National rosters. But have you taken a peek on some of the guys you might be going up against?
11: I've taken a look. I've definitely been uh, stalking you guys' pages, waiting for uh, the guys <laughs> for waiting for you guys to post the guys that uh, get accepted. So I've been I've been looking at a couple.
8: Well, if if you want to cheat, if you want to cheat, so like we used to be North and South, and now it's American and National. Um, I will say that the American team is is like the old South. It's going to be all the SEC guys. I might have to figure. I got to figure out how to get f- you and Fiske on the same team, though. Um, but the national team will be mostly like Big Ten, uh, Pac-12. It's kind of like SEC against the rest of the country is what the Senior Bowl ends up mm-hmm. being. Uh, so, so you'll, you'll want to look at, like, the Big Ten guys that are – because those will be the guys you're, you're practicing against. So check out the guys from, like, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12. That will give you a little bit of a cheat. But, uh, Nick, you got any questions for Marshawn?
2: Wow! Really put me on the spot there, Jim.
8: No, I, I can keep, I can keep firing away. I mean, Marshawn and I could do this for, we could do this for the next hour if you sure, want. Sure, sure. All right, let me ask you this, Marshawn. What, what aspect
2: of becoming an NFL player are you most excited about? Like the lifestyle change, just personally.
11: I am. You probably asked anybody that I know. Definitely happy to just be able to focus 100% on football all the time. I just it was like camp. <laughs> That's definitely uh, my favorite thing going from college to NFL. Like obviously, you know, getting better on that, but being able to fully focus on football and that be my hardship quotation mark of the day. <laughs>
2: That's no, right. I, no more geometry, no more algebra, mm-hmm. no English 101. We're just in the film room, right? Yep,
8: there it is. <laughs> hey, man, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. No, the, you yeah, what you guys have to do to like, you know, just navigate, uh, it, to be a Division One athlete of any sport. And to me, I, I'm, I guess I'm more attuned to football because that's a world I've lived in. But, but, you know, I don't know if 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 most people appreciate what you guys have to do. I mean, you do have to go to class. You do got to go to study hall. I mean, you, it's not like you're just up there playing football. I mean, you guys got, you guys got a lot no. going on. So have you graduated yet, or are you, are you close?
11: Yeah, I actually graduated in um, summer. Oh, summer nice. One. So I've been graduated.
8: So you're taking some grad classes this fall? Yeah. Awesome, man. Congrats. Do you, do you know what you want to – you know, hopefully you're going to play for 10 years and retire on your own term someday. But um, have you thought about what you want to do when football's done? Not necessarily, no. No, stay focused just on the football, right. All F- the football. Football, Play bro. as long as you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't yeah. If you ain't playing, then
2: you're coaching or something, I'm sure. Front office, just something oh, football. Yeah.
8: No, you don't want you don't get into oh, yeah. the don't get into the scouting thing like I did, man. You don't want to be on the road two hundred nights a year away from oh, your yeah. family. This
2: guy this guy Jim Nagy has a real rough life, man. Let me tell That's you. <laughs> it's rough for him.
8: That's <laughs> why I'm doing this thing now. Yeah. I'm not I don't I don't need to be in hotels staying Fairfield Inns two hundred nights right. a year. You
2: don't want to sit in this studio with me every Wednesday <laughs> at five either. <laughs> well,
8: Marshawn, we're excited we're excited to get you down here, man. It's gonna be an awesome week for you. You know that. Um, where are you where are you training between now and the game? Oh, I'm training at Exos right in Pensacola. Oh, okay, sweet. So you're right over there. there there's, uh, that's oh, yeah. good. Well, I'll I'll make a trip over there um, after the New Year's when you guys all get settled and and meet you guys, and then we're gonna do a little. We're doing, uh, we do a kids camp over there the week before the game um, is a mm-hmm. thank you to the Pensacola community. The little kids camp at University of West Florida um, for about an hour and a half, and then there was like a Brazilian steakhouse downtown Pensacola that I'll take you guys all to. All you can eat. And uh, you guys can run up a hefty tab on the Reese's Senior Bowl. We'll have a, we'll have a nice dinner. We'll have a nice dinner over there. But, but hey, man, enjoy the New Year's. Um, enjoy, you know, getting back down here to training. Um, and I'll get over there in a couple weeks and see you guys.
2: For sure. All right. I'll see you. Take it easy, man.
8: Thanks, Marshawn. Thank you. Man, I might have to sneak, uh,
2: uh, sneak on that trip to Pensacola, man. I might just happen to bump into you guys you, you at gotta, the you gotta earn
8: your keep though you're gonna have to do some <laughs> drills with the kids or something you can't just show up and eat the steak but uh, uh, I,
2: I can run some go. drills man okay look just put that could be a funny like video series just a random guy going through all the same stuff <laughs> as these senior bowl guys and look i'll go full johnny Knoxville. i'll let him lay me out man put put me in some pads and a helmet I'll make you some viral content. You do dude. not want that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'll, I'll brace for it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take some leave from work here. I'll pull a Corey. Oh, man, my legs and my arms. I just can't do it. <laughs> but, look, guys, one more short segment here with Jim Nagy. This is Chavez Furniture. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl Show presented by D&K Suits Discounters. We'll be right back.
1: Uh, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile. Listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5
11: WNSP.
2: Welcome back to Javis Furniture. The draft starts here. Reese's Senior Bowl show presented by Dean k Suits Discounters. Just want to thank all of our special guests, Jim Nagy, obviously hanging out with me the whole hour here, Ricky Pearsall out of Florida, Marshawn Nealon out of Western Michigan, two great interviews and two great players who you can see here in Mobile at the senior bowl.
8: Yeah, no, those guys, those guys were good. And, uh, you know, Nick, before we jump off, I did want to mention tickets. Um, we are under 5,000 now available. Um, and we haven't announced any of the really big quarterbacks yet. So, uh, we're getting there. Um but I want to remind all the the listeners about the bobblehead giveaway um that we're doing this year to the first 5,000 people through the gates. That's kind of a new thing we're doing this year with members of the 75th anniversary team. We're going to start announcing those guys next week of all the guys that not accepted invites back to Mobile but will be coming back to Mobile to be honored uh, as part right, of the 75th right. team. So lots of great stuff. We're going to honor those guys at halftime so uh SeniorBowl.com for those tickets. Hop on and get them.
2: SeniorBowl.com.
8: Jim, I
2: appreciate it. As always, man, look forward to hollering at you next Wednesday. Yeah, man. Happy New Year. Happy Early New Year. Thank you, man. This go, has been... Go Blue. Hey, there you go. <laughs> this has been <laughs> Chavis Furnitures. The draft starts here at Reese's Senior Bowl Show, presented by DK Suits Discounters. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. And coming up is... I actually really don't know, but enjoy it.